Jesus, you are powerful, and your name is powerful. And even when we don't see what you're doing, you're working. Like that seed that the farmer plants in the ground and he goes away and whether he sleeps or is awake, it grows, though he doesn't understand how. And you're planting those seeds in our hearts. And I pray that you would continue to make us good soil, that your powerful word would be transforming us, healing us, setting us free, giving us purpose, reminding us who we are, and making us into the people that you created us to be. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Amen. So good to be with you. Good morning, Regen. I get to be part of the really great leadership team here at Regen um, as lead pastor. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I would love to meet you after the service. We are wrapping up our series on parenting this morning. In the early 1990s, uh, some scientists began an experiment at the University of Arizona called Biosphere 2. And they developed a, a self-contained, carefully controlled environment where they were trying to create a, a web of life that would be self-sustaining in a huge glass and steel enclosure. And it's actually still operating today. One of the striking discoveries they made early on during this, pro this uh, project had to do with the trees in the biosphere. They found that the trees grew quickly, but they turned out to be thin and weak, and some of them actually fell over under their own weight. And, and they were mystified until they realized that trees need wind. Trees need wind to push and pull and tug on them because that's actually how they grow strong. Some of you are gardeners and maybe you're starting seedlings inside around this time of year. And what you learn, at least in the case of tomato seedlings in my experience, is that as the time gets close to transplant them outside, you have to take them out for some hours each day to harden them so that um, they'll survive once they get transplanted into the harsher environments of the outside. And this is true with living things in general. It's even true with us. We need some adversity, some difficulty to make us stronger. When everything is easy and soft and perfect, we get soft and we actually don't thrive. I wish it wasn't true, <laughs> but it is. And we discovered this in 2020, didn't we? As an American people, we experienced a lot of anxiety, a spike in anxiety. And what everyone started talking about was that what we needed to grow in people and in young people particularly was resilience. You remember that word being thrown around? The strength, the stamina, the, the perseverance to make it through hard times and to even thrive in hard times. We needed resilience. And unfortunately, part of what's necessary to develop resilience, among other things, is just plain going through hard stuff and realizing you survive and you come out the other side. Some of you right now are going through 
tough stuff and it's stretching you and it's squeezing you and God is surfacing through that some things for you to confess and repent of and grow in and in the process you're learning to lean more deeply into God it's growing your faith it's growing your patience and your humility it's growing your resilience it's growing your capacity to stand strong come what may it's giving you broader shoulders so that you're not a tree that simply uh, snaps or falls over in the wind, but rather so that you can stand strong and remain reliable and remain hopeful and actually become in time by your life a shelter and a support for others. Again, I wish there was an easier way to become this kind of person. But the reality is, one of the things it takes is to just plain go through hard stuff. So this has application for something that's close to the heart of, of, of our church. And it's central to the purpose, our purpose as a church. And that's discipleship, making disciples. Helping one another to grow spiritually as followers of Jesus so that we know Jesus better, so that we act more like Jesus in the situations we face, and so that we learn to do the things Jesus did. Because this dynamic of, of having to go through struggle and adversity to grow stronger and more resilient isn't just on a physical level, it's also on a psychological and a spiritual level. In fact, one of the things I was taught in the limited counseling training that I've had is that one of the key factors that helps determine whether the counseling client is going to improve in their mental health is whether the therapist or the counselor has the stomach to watch their client go through pain and not rescue them from that pain. Because to get healthy, we need encouragement and challenge to push through the pain to get to the breakthrough that's on the other side. So often caring people, uh, counselors, leaders, pastors, teachers, disciplers, boy, I know this temptation. We are so tempted to rescue people and to protect people from the very difficulties they need to face in order to grow rather than compassionately to challenge people to take the hard steps that are between them and their healing. So question, how does Jesus as a leader, a discipler, a teacher, a mentor, how does Jesus handle these sorts of situations? Situations where we have to choose between offering to make things easier for people or pushing them out into places that might be hard for them. How does Jesus handle these sorts of situations? That is always a good question to ask. What would Jesus do if he were in this situation that I'm facing? Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 10. We're leaving Corinthians this morning. We're going to Matthew and uh, we're going to see how Jesus handles this. Here is where he is sending a group of his his. Um, most likely young followers out on their first assignment, their first mission. And after Jesus gives them their mission assignments and some basic instructions on, on how to go about it, this is what Jesus has to say to them. Chapter 10, starting in verse 16. 
I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Does this surprise anyone? <laughs> I mean, we think of Jesus as our good shepherd, the one who cares for us, who's supposed to protect us. And here he is sending out his first followers, those he's grown to love, those he's discipled and invested in and nurtured and mentored, those who are looking to him for leadership and direction and protection and provision. And Jesus is sending them out into harm's way. And Jesus says to them, it's going to be tough, but go do it anyway. Go for it. Is that the Jesus who came here this morning to worship? So there's a tension here. And I like the way a friend of mine, Austin Catalano, has named this tension. She says it's the tension between protecting and preparing. And she was talking about this in, in relation to parenting, and that's where I want to go with it too as we finish up this series on parenting this morning. Protecting and preparing. This tension has everything to do not just with making disciples and leading others. It also has to do with parenting. If we as parents, um, or rather, if we are parents, so talking to you parents here right now, um, this is about how we navigate the tension between protecting our kids, on the one hand, from the big bad world out there that could hurt them, and on the other hand, preparing them to go out into that world to live independent lives, resilient lives, confident, courageous lives, and hopefully impactful lives as they represent Jesus and are part of his mission. So here's how I'd summarize what Jesus models for us in terms of this tension. In Jesus's spiritual family among his people, Jesus is not cultivating a protect culture, but rather a prepare culture. The culture Jesus is cultivating is all about preparing people to live like him in the world, to follow his way, to represent his kingdom, to be a part of his mission into the world. It's not primarily about protecting people from the world. And when churches become more about protecting than about preparing, then we've lost sight of who we are and our identity and what Jesus has called us to be. So here's how I'd put this as a question in relation to parenting. If you are a parent, is your basic approach to parenting to protect your kids, and within that, you're trying to prepare them where you can fit that in? 
Or is your basic approach to parenting to prepare your kids and within that you're figuring out how much protecting you need to do along the way? Jesus' approach, the, the way of Jesus is definitely in that second category. Preparing is key, and yes, some protecting needs to be done in the context of that preparation. So I've entitled this sermon, Parenting as Preparing. There's an interesting verse in Psalm 127 that says this. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. If we're parents, we are invited here to view our kids as arrows. And I'm not sure where the psalmist was going with this analogy, but one way to think about it is that one day we are going to be launching our kids into the world to make their mark. Are you preparing your kids for that purpose? Now, I realize kids today are growing up in a dangerous world. And parents today are maybe more aware of all the dangers than ever before. Society has encouraged us to be more careful than past generations were. When Anne and I, as new parents, were bringing our firstborn home from the hospital, the attendant who was checking us out made sure we had an acceptable car seat and that our little tiny fragile baby was buckled in properly. Then the car manufacturers told us that we needed a car with more airbags and a, sa a better safety rating. And then we were warned about all the germs, all the unsanitary surfaces and objects that our baby was touching and all the diseases that he could catch. And then there were all those sharp edges on the furniture we realized and we had to go out and buy bumpers. And then, as our kids grew, we needed to be concerned about abductions and kidnappings and predators and abusers, right? And could our kids play outside without supervision? And whose house could they go into? Did we know that family well enough? And then there was social media and the internet and who might be posing as online and not really being who they said they were. And then, of course, there's the moral values of society today especially around sexuality, around other things as well. The things our kids might see or hear, what they might be exposed to, the pressures they might face to do certain things or to accept certain values or worldviews that we think are wrong. So there's definitely some protecting that we need to do. But is protecting our main goal or is our main goal preparing? Well, again, look at Jesus' example in our passage. He was clearly focused on preparing more than on protecting. And as a leader who cares about people, I can tell you Jesus had a lot of guts to do what he did. It takes a lot of guts to send people you're preparing and you've invested in and you care about out into situations where you know they might and probably will get hurt. It takes a lot of guts for a parent to send a grown child off into the military or to be a firefighter. It takes a lot of guts for a sergeant or a chief to send men, the men and women under their command into situations that are dangerous. Why do they do it? Because they believe it is worth it. 
that there's a higher reason or value, a higher purpose, a higher calling that makes the risk worth it. So we learn from Jesus two ingredients that it takes, and let's apply this to parenting. These are two ingredients that we need within ourselves as parents to be able to develop and sustain a prepare culture in our parenting rather than a protect culture. The first is we need conviction that the mission is worth it. That's what Jesus knew. That's why he sent his disciples out like sheep among wolves. Jesus knew that the mission to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth, to tell people the good news that through Jesus they could be redeemed, that this world could be rescued, and to bring the healing and the deliverance and the love of that kingdom, that it is worth it. Yes, Jesus wanted to protect his disciples, but he also knew that some risks are so worth taking. Do we know that about our kids? Do we believe deep down that preparing them to follow Jesus and to find their purpose and their place in God's world and God's mission is worth it? Second ingredient we need to develop and sustain a prepare culture and that's faith. We have to trust God with our kids. Jesus had to have faith in his, in his Father, in God. Listen to verses 29 to 31. This is a little bit further down in our passage. As Jesus is sending his disciples out on the mission that he's prepared them for, he adds, verse 29, Are not two par uh, sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus trusted and he wanted his disciples to trust that God, his father and their father does see and care for us. And if God allows persecution to happen, hard things to happen, God has his reasons. If bad things happen, they happen not because God doesn't care, but rather they happen for reasons we may not understand within God's care. And the question is, do we really trust God? Do we trust him with our kids? Jesus chose to trust his father with his disciples. And he did it knowing that bad things would happen to them along the way. He predicted it. They would be arrested. They would be persecuted. But somehow they would experience their father's care even in the midst of that. And somehow ultimately God would keep his faithful ones safe in the ways that matter most in eternal ways. Verse 22 but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 39, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Yes, we and our kids may have troubles, but in the end, in, if their and our faith is in Jesus, our lives, their lives are secure into eternity. 
God will care for us and them in the troubles and through the troubles, and none of the troubles can shake that care that goes on into life forever and ever. So as parents, if we're going to focus on preparing more than on protecting, we are going to have to have the mission clear and believe it's worth it, and we are going to have to grow our faith and grow in trusting our kids to our Heavenly Father and their Heavenly Father. So, how do we do that? Let's move to some practical suggestions about how to do this in parenting. How to develop a prepare culture. And first, maybe this is the biggest one, first, is we have to work on our own anxiety as parents. We are living in a time of super high anxiety. Our whole culture is anxiety, is anxious. It's like the cultural water that we're drinking. And of course, lots of interests are profiting off of our anxiety. As parents, they're marketing to our anxiety, right? <laughs> Follow me on Instagram because I will tell you all of the things you need to make sure that you don't do wrong as a parent so you don't ruin your kids <laughs> or so your, uh, your family is less than the perfect Instagram family like our family. Don't you want to be like us, this nice curated image of our family that we have here on Instagram? <laughs> or... Buy our Santa wipes or buy our Wi-Fi video baby monitor or whatever. They are um, marketing to our anxiety. As parents, if we're going to cultivate a prepare culture at home, we're going to have to work on our anxiety. And the ways our anxiety manifests itself as fear or worry or our control issues, right? If we can just control everything, then we will feel better. We need to work on our own stuff. And we've got to press into God to spend time focusing on who God is, why we can trust God with our lives, with our kids' lives, why we don't need to worry quite as much about all the things the world is telling us we should be so afraid of. Second, if you have a spouse and if you're, you have a functioning relationship with your spouse, then this next one is for you. Consider whether your spouse provides the counterbalance you need here on this issue of overprotecting and giving your kids some, uh, versus giving your kids some freedom to take some risks. Maybe your spouse does, maybe they don't. I, I can tell you about my parents growing up. My mom was a bit of a worrier. She was a bit of an overprotector. Her default was to try to coddle us too much. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, was more like Ms. Frizzle, the teacher from Magic School Bus. Some of you know that, right? Uh, take chances, make mistakes, get messy, right? That was her, her thing. My dad was more that way, and so my parents made a good team, actually. They balanced each other out. Sometimes my mom needed to insert some caution to my dad's inattention of what might be dangerous for us as kids. But sometimes my dad needed to pull my mom out of worry and remind her, hey, how do kids learn to walk? By falling down. It, 
If you never let them fall down, they're never going to walk on their own. Let them get some bumps and bruises, and then you can always comfort them and kiss their boo-boos and make it better. So if your spouse leans opposite of you on this issue, doesn't that annoy you about them? <laughs> right? But lean into the fact that maybe, just maybe, you need them, just like you know they need you, <laughs> and that together you can develop a prepare culture with the right amount of protection along the way. Maybe you need each other to figure that out, to counterbalance each other. Third suggestion, as our kids get older, intentionally, we have to intentionally loosen our hold on the leash. And boy, there's no formula for this. It's an art. It's not a science. But as our kids get older, they need more independence. They still need structure and boundaries and protection. And as we've seen in past weeks, they need to remain solidly attached to us. But they also need more independence. They're turning bit by bit, little bit at a time, into adults who one day are going to function on their own, we hope. And who we hope we're sending into the world to be courageous, to be wise, to be resilient, to be all God has created them to be, and to do confidently for Jesus what he's called them to do. Now, the hard thing is that as they get older, the mistakes they make can have bigger consequences. When they're little, they're, they're going to fall down learning to walk. But as they get bigger, they're falling off bikes. And as they get even bigger, they're crashing cars. <laughs> we hope not. <laughs> and so as parents, we need more faith. <laughs> We've got to trust in God's care for our kids even more. And we need to be prepared to put on some bigger band-aids and some more expensive band-aids, right? But we're going to have to let out the leash and give them more freedom along the way. And for this, we need courage and we need wisdom. But what won't help us to make these decisions wisely is making them from a place of fear and anxiety. Then fourth, the flip side of, of letting out the leash and giving more freedom is that as our kids get older, we need to increase their responsibilities and the risks we challenge them to take. In terms of challenging them to take responsibility, when they're little, maybe we ask them to, to help us pick up their toys. They get a little older and we ask them to help us load the dishwasher or to feed the dog. Then eventually they're ready for the first, uh, first part-time job, right? Etc. Responsibilities grow over time. In terms of risks, as they get older, it's challenging them to take some risks including some spiritual risks. Maybe when they're little, we read a Bible story to them. But as they get a little older, we can have them read it to us um, and maybe ask them a couple questions about it to get them engaging and processing. Encourage them to memorize some scripture. As they get older still, when someone needs prayer, maybe if we've taught them to pray, we can ask them if they'd like to pray for this person instead of us doing it. Or... 
Ask them, who at school do they see who they could reach out to who's maybe lonely or, or needs some encouragement? What this kind of challenge looks like, it's going to depend on our kids' unique strengths and gifts. And of course, it's going to need to be age appropriate. But we need over time to increase the responsibilities and the risks that we're challenging our kids to take if we're preparing them. And of course, when they fail, and they will, we need to be there for them if they want us. Not to berate them for failing, but rather to encourage them and to comfort them and to process it with them. And then fifth, finally, to develop a prepare culture, we as parents need to take responsibility for the values and convictions and worldview of our kids. When I used to do Taekwondo with our kids, um, our instructor, if a kid came in without their belt or without their uniform or whatever, he'd be like, where's your stuff? And they'd always invariably be like, well, my mom, and he would cut them off <laughs> and say, whose responsibility is it for you to be prepared for class? And he had drummed into the kids that the correct answer is not my mom or my dad, it's I am responsible. Not anyone else, it's my responsibility. And this applies to us as parents. Whose responsibility is it to instill in our kids the values, the convictions, the worldview that we want our have, kids to have? Not the schools, not the church. It is the church's responsibility to help you, to support you, to resource you, to equip you and partner with you, but not to do it for you. Ultimately, as parents, it's your responsibility and you are better positioned than anyone else to have that kind of influence on your kids. Are you taking that responsibility seriously and intentionally? For us as a family, we made the decision to homeschool our kids and it wasn't because we were trying to protect our kids from all the negative influences out there. There, uh, that is a reason that many families homeschool. There is a lot of protect culture in the homeschooling community, but we were rather asking ourselves, what's the best way that our family, for us, that we can prepare our kids and disciple our kids to have the values and convictions and priorities that we want them to have? Anne used to remind herself of, of why we homeschooled when she was pulling out her hair and didn't know if she could do it one more day. She'd say, we are raising world changers. <laughs> And when we looked at the schools in our area at that time, we thought the teachers and the administrators where we happened to live, that they were not going to support us in how we thought the world needed changing. In fact, they had a quite different vision, an aggressive vision of where they thought the world should go. And so, you know, if it had just been the other kids who were negative influences, we might have put our kids in school if the teachers and the administrators had been allies and had been on roughly the same page with us as parents, but they weren't, and so we made some sacrifices as a family to take responsibility for the schooling of our kids. Now hear me, homeschooling is not the only way to do that. Homeschooling is not for everyone. Some people can't afford it. Some people don't have the temperament for it, though a lot more people could do it and just don't know that they can do it. Um, but it does mean taking a big risk yourself and, and doing some hard and uncomfortable things for you as a parent. 
But the real question is, whatever schooling choices you make, and it's not just schooling, whatever else you are prioritizing for your kids in terms of their other activities and their schedule, are you taking responsibility for preparing your kids to grow up and follow Jesus and take their place in the mission of Jesus to change this world? As our Taekwondo instructor would put it, whose responsibility is it? Not your mom's, not your school's, not anyone else's. It's our responsibility as parents. Let me just close with this because I realize this is heavy. Here's the good news. We don't have to do any of this stuff perfectly. Nobody does. I, and we certainly have not perfectly prepared our kids or perfectly parented our kids. And thankfully, kids are flexible. They, they heal from many things. And God loves them more than we do. So perfection isn't the goal. But faithfulness to prepare our kids the best we can, that's the goal. And faith in God into whose hands we have to remember to put our kids again and again. And so I wonder when Jesus was sending out the disciples that he'd prepared there in Matthew 10, as he was sending them out into harm's way, and as he was reassuring them that not one sparrow will fall to the ground outside your father's care, so don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I wonder, was Jesus just reassuring his disciples because they needed to hear it? Or was he saying it also because like a parent, he needed to hear it too as he sent them out. Let's pray. God, as we look back on these five weeks as we've been thinking about parenting, thank you for the different things that you've been teaching us, sometimes as parents, about our uh the little ones at home. Sometimes it's been about our grown kids and maybe some things we needed to mend or apologize. Or maybe it's things we learned about our parents and the way they parented us and the way that shaped us. Thank you for all that you've taught us. And I pray that as a church, together as a spiritual family, as we seek to raise and prepare the kids who are here among us, and as we come around parents and as we parent together and we try to support parents as spiritual aunts and uncles and grandparents, I pray that you would help us to be faithful as we trust in you to do a good job of preparing and discipling our kids. In Jesus' name, amen.